five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. That was uh, Love Roller Coaster by the Ohio Players. Basically, they have, what, um, three or four lines that they bang out a five-minute song on. If you think about it, it's a very simple song, but very effective. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. I'm joined this morning by the lovely Rosie. There she is. She is... uh, Front and center. She's finally come around. She she was pissed off that I was gone for four days. Now she's back. She's going to the vet tomorrow for a little checkup. She's getting a little skinny. My Megalodon uh, necklace is uh, be adjusted here. Yeah, I was kind of into this roller coaster theme today because life seems like it's a bit of a roller coaster. And I bet people would love to get off at some point. So, okay, I've been on the roller coaster. Roller coasters are fun for about three three minutes, right? But what if you were on a roller coaster for, say, six hours? Like, that would get really, really tiresome. Like, you can put up with it for about three minutes. You get that adrenaline rush. Looks on these faces of these people behind me. <laughs> they're like, they're screaming. The dudes are having fun. This guy right back here, he's implacable. Look at him. He's just like cool as the other side of the pillow. The women are, they're losing their minds here, all three of them, right? This guy's pretty close. Yeah, so being on a roller coaster for six hours, I think it would be challenging to say the least. And that's where we are. We're on a roller coaster and we've been on this fucking roller coaster since, well, 311 of 2020 here we are 322 of 2022 and guess what we're still on the roller coaster just when you think it's about to pull in and get out it's like no not quite yet we have another round and we were on the roller coaster the covid roller coaster for a long time too long actually so from 322 to roughly about what January, when everything started to run down, right? And he's like, oh, yeah. You know, you know, you know how you just kind of go like, chuk, 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 coming back in. Like, oh, my God, we were on that fucking roller coaster for 12 hours. And now we get to come into the station or, or come into the, the launching area. And all of a sudden, the person who's supposed to, you know, hit that button and those little bars pop up, right? All of a sudden, they're not that person anymore. They're 
like some demonic entity and just smiles at you with this evil grin and says, no, you're not getting off that roller coaster. And then bang, you're off again. And here we are, we're on the next roller coaster ride, which is, of course, Ukraine and the never ending war saga. And you're like, So hell is probably something that is the uh, excess of the thing that you loved. If you haven't resolved it, like if you haven't resolved, I'm not talking about love. Okay. The thing that you desire, hell is probably a manifestation of an unresolved relationship to the thing that you desire. So if you have an unresolved relationship with say roller coasters, right? That hell for you would be constantly being on a roller coaster for eternity. Think about that. Think about being on a roller coaster for eternity. You're not boiling in a vat of shit, right? You're not, you're not, you, you know, being shot and dying every day, whatever. You're on a roller coaster every fucking day for eternity. You can't get off. And just as you're about to catch your breath and pull in that demonic entity that's running the ride laughs and winks at you, pushes that stick forward and off you go again. That's where we are. We're on the roller coaster. It is not a love roller coaster. By the way, wasn't that cool when the, the lockers came up there? If you are listening to the podcast, you you just missed the Ohio players because I don't play these songs uh, when we go live. So you you um, you just missed the Ohio players with Love Roller Coaster from the Midnight Special, and. Uh, about three quarters of the way through the song, this dance troupe comes up and they start popping. And that's a group called the Lockers. And you could tell where Michael Jackson got the robot from. You can, you can tell that he got it from the Lockers because that's what they were doing. And back in the early days of hip hop, you know, the dance form was popping and locking. And uh, that was the, that came out of the lockers and the most famous locker where there are two famous lockers. The most famous locker is a rerun from the TV show. What's happening now, which I loved as a kid. I loved watching what's happening because those guys were theoretically in high school. I was in high school. Of course they weren't in high school. They were in their twenties, but they were playing high school students. What's happening now with Dwayne and rerun. The most, maybe the most famous locker is Tony Basil, who is the um, choreographer of the lockers. And Tony Basil, of course, known for the hit Mickey, in which she's choreographing cheerleaders. Uh, and then another interesting Tony Basil factoid is she's one of the hookers in Easy Rider at the end of the movie where Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda go to the cemetery in new orleans and drop acid they did and they were high in acid too that's true that everything that that scene they were all high in acid and the two hookers are karen black and tony basil an interesting factoid tony basil is the only person that's alive out of that that group that, that what do you what do you call it uh quartet Dennis Hopper passed away. Peter Fonda passed away. Karen Black passed away a long time ago. I thought she was still around, but she passed away a long time ago. 
So it's just Tony Basil. And then the last Tony Basil factoid for you this morning, she's born on September 22nd, which is my birthday. And today is the 22nd. It is 180 degrees opposite the day that I uh, came into this world. And it's also Skull and Bones Day. This is 322. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Skull and Bones and some other things related to Skull and Bones. Uh, and the the production of depravity that um, I was witness to last night in person. I'm going to share something with you about my experience. I actually left my house last night. I went to a school board meeting. I'm going to tell you about that. Again, that's called a tease. So you have to stick around. See, this would be a good time for me to, to have a product that I could, that I could uh, advertise. By the way, today's show is brought to you by robertphoenix.com. At robertphoenix.com, we offer full-service suite of astrological services from personal readings, transit readings, relocation readings, readings for relationships, readings for your children, readings for your purpose in life. Stop by robertphoenix.com where you can get your own reading from None other than Robert Phoenix himself. That's robertphoenix.com. All right. Let's go into uh, Chataria. Let's see who we have here in Chataria. Roller coaster, roller coaster. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow. Wow, wow. Let's see. What do we have here? Who do we have here? What's happening? What's happening now? Thomas Jordan. What's going on? There's my man, Steve. Thor by the door. Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? Wendy says, one of the beautiful people. Timothy. What's going on, Timothy? Good to see you. Timothy Hartful in the house today. Uh, Q33 and Lisa K. Queen 30. Oh, it's Queen Lisa K. I love that. I'm on fire lately. Well, thank you. Yesterday, I felt a little crispy. Uh, who else? That skull looks like a crack right in the area where the penile gland could be accessed. Ooh, interesting. You guys are so sharp. Shoni. How you doing, Sony? Hope you're well. It's good to see you here. Kelly B, she's back for getting a permanent crown. So does that make you a queen too? Now that you have a permanent crown, I can't take that away from you. Congratulations. Fran, let's get down. Yeah. Love roller coaster. The Ohio players were gritty. They were a gritty band. You know what I mean? They, they, they had grit. Oh, uh, let's see. Who else we heard? 322. My local is number 322. I was offered... Jesus Christ Superstar, but I retired a year ago. Some things never change. I love that song. Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, let's see. Squirrel, is Squirrel here? It's like Squirrel's here. Really? Hi, Squirrel. Uh, who else do we have? Mark Matheny. Hey man, happy birthday, Mr. Mr. Mark. 
we need to catch up sometime. I'd love to find out what's going on with you. Yeah, I know, right, Tondar? It is such a simple tune. They really juice it up with that polyphonic ending. Everybody had something to say. Exactly. It's just, you know, love roller coaster. Hoo, 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 hoo. Um, roller coaster. Wow, wow, wow. They just like bang that thing over and over again. But the instruments really uh, have a lot to say in that tune. Good call, Tondar. Anybody else? Empath. Yeah, we're on a roller coaster. I met King Pat in a moment like that. We've been together for 22 years. Isn't that the life of a Scorpio? A nonstop roller coaster ride? I think so. I think so. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Oh, yes. Oh, there's Squirrel. Uh, let's see. Tenuous about my son, who is U.S. Marine. Tay Tay, this sounds like a line from Love Roller Coaster. Tay All right. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Maybe we can just talk like Ohio players all day. What if I did a reading like that? I don't think I could sustain that for an entire uh, entire session. Okay, well here we are. Uh, so okay, I got I got a roller coaster story. Actually, I have two stories. There are two amusement park stories. One has to do with me, and one has to do with somebody I knew. One time I was at. Um, I think it was Asbury Park in New Jersey. And I was with my uncle and uh, my nephews. Back when my nephews were young and innocent, before they had been tainted by life's experiences to the point where both of them are now leading very unusual lives. Not bad, but unusual. I'm not going to get into the personal details there. And before my uncle became this cantankerous, cancerous, and toxic individual, he was actually a nice guy at one point. I liked him. I'm not sure I like him that much anymore. That's a different story. Anyway, this is my mother's side. So back when we were cool, I was 23 years old, I think. And I was staying with them uh, for a day and a night. And then we went to, um, I was on the East Coast. We went to... Um, Asbury Park. And I got on a ride. And it was just me on the ride. It was one of those rides. It's not a roller coaster, but it's one of those rides that you're sitting in a car and it's going around in a circle. It's not a teacup car, not the teacup, but the like the metal car, which looks like it could be part of a roller coaster, but it's cut and it's connected to this appendage, right? It's like this giant spider. And the cars are going around in a circle, but they're going in and out and they can also spin. So you get like maximum uh, nausea effect on these things. So I'm like, you know, and I like rides, at least I, I did at that point in time. So I'm on this ride and 
this gets back to this idea of hell, where you're just in hell and the thing never stops. And I was on this ride for an interminably long time. And there was this giant bull dyke who was operating the ride. And she kept me on there for way longer than I should have been. Uh, that was, and every time I would, you know, cause those cars, like you would come up and it would like get really close to the crowd that would be waiting for the line, waiting for the uh, ride, right? The line, but there was no line and you would see them and you'd whip back. And then every time you came back, you'd be at a different point. So at a certain point I would, I was like face to face with her and she had this malevolent fucking smile on her face. It's like, you like, you like rides? You're going to really enjoy this one. This is going to be a ride. You're not going to forget. I must have been on that ride for about five minutes, which for a ride is a long time. And it, re- it was like, you know what? I'm a little too old for this roller coaster jive or this ride jive. That's not really true because I went back later on. Not there, but other rides. Okay, so let's be clear about that. But that was a vision of hell. I, that's, that's exactly what it was like. Rides are fun, but it's, it's okay to get off the ride. The problem is we can't get off the ride now. The ride is just not stopping. It's like, oh, COVID. COVID's over. Oh, Ukraine, oh! Right, that's, how, that's how it's going. And just when Ukraine is, uh, chick, 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 chick. Next thing. So the other roller coaster story I have, this is a roller coaster story. It's not me personally now, but it's a story I know. I used to work with, kind of with this guy. He actually worked in the East Coast office of the company that I worked for, but I knew him. So I'd go back to that office and every now and then, and then he would come out more to the office that I was in. So I, I, got, to, I got to know him a bit. He was, he was one of these guys that was like, you know, super sharp. Um, I think he had an MBA and he was kind of a hipster. So the guys who were young that worked for him, they were all label guys. They're all, you know, music heads and they're all too cool for school. He had to manage them. So you, you it's like managing too cool for school hipsters is not an easy thing to do because they all think they're really fucking smart. Um, and they know more about music than you do and blah, 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 blah. So you had to manage them. And for the most part, I think he did a good job managing them. Um, I'm not going to tell you who he is. I could. I could tell you the business and everything. You could look it up, but I'm not going to do that. He was okay. He was, he was an okay guy. He was an all right. My main interaction with him was when there was a guy in his group, which was back east, who... Um, wanted my job. And my job at that time was, I was a, 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 they call it genre manager. So I wore a lot of hats. And so I managed these different genres for this website. And one of them was electronic music, which I really love. And um, they wanted to take this guy who was back East and make him the electronic music genre manager. And I'm like, well, fuck that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not into that. So, this guy from the East Coast, the guy I'm telling you about, the guy who I'm about to share this story with, 
was promoting him. He was promoting him. And the, uh, his, this was his phrase about this dude who wanted my, my gig. I would have had other gigs, but those other gigs weren't as juicy as the electronic music gig. They were kind of peripheral, like, oh, well, you could still be the world music and the new age music guy. I'm like, well, fuck that. First of all, new age music is irrelevant. Nobody cares about it. And world music is a niche that is marginally more important than in the grand scheme of things than quote unquote new age music. But electronic music, that's where you get to go to Winter Music Conference in Miami and you get to go to these you know, different conferences because, you know, it was popular. I'm like, you know, there's no fucking new age music conferences. Maybe a little bit of world music. So I'm, ah, I'm not going to give this gig up. Plus, I like the music. So they, they, this guy said, well, you know, he's like a, he, he's like a thoroughbred and you've got him hooked to a, you know, uh, a covered wagon. He's pulling a covered wagon, meaning the other guy. You got to turn him loose. And I knew the other guy and he talked a good game, but he wasn't that impressive when it came down to actually getting work done. So I sat down with this guy who's the manager, managed him, the guy from the East Coast. And I, and I talked to him about it and I said, look, you know, I've, I've actually asked him to do certain things and he hasn't fulfilled them. He hasn't done like minor stuff. Like if he can demonstrate that he can do things on a consistent basis, you know, then let's have a conversation about it. Is that fair? And he said, sure, that's fair. So, and for me at that point, it was a slam dunk because I knew he couldn't do it. It was my way of like, under my way of like putting it into this charade. So you could kind of say I set him up a little bit, but it wasn't really, I, I didn't set it up in a way where like I gave him an opportunity to succeed, but I knew ultimately he would fail because he couldn't do basic fundamental mundane things. He would always have you know, the big idea or he'd go out and he'd go walk around town and you go hang out all these different labels at New York and shoot the shit with them. And he wouldn't come back. And, you know, he was, he was, um, he was good if you're doing PR, like he could have been a good PR person, but in terms of doing everyday kind of nuts and bolts work and getting tracks and promotional shit, like he wasn't very good. So eventually what happened was I gave him three or four things to do. And we got on this one call one time and um, he, he, he blew up. And I'm like, well, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you? No, no. What about this? No, no, no. I said, then he really lost his shit because this was a call and there were, you know, people on that call that were theoretically higher up the food chain than me. And they saw that he didn't, he couldn't do anything. He didn't do any of the simple things that I had set out for him to do basic stuff. I gave him the opportunity to succeed, but I knew he would fail because I knew that that just wasn't who he was. So then he threw a big temper tantrum. And at that point there was this other woman who, who worked there we actually went on to work for Arista Records or the label that Clive Davis started out of Arista. And she had to fire him. She had to manage him out and fire him. And that's what happened, right? 
So don't fuck with me. Okay. No, seriously. I didn't try to, I wasn't being political in the, I, I hated that. You could see people inside of a corporation and they'd get political. They would like, they like, okay, I gotta get this angle or this angle. Or this. I was like, fuck that ain't fuck that shit. Just do your fucking work. Just do your work and do a good job and let your merits speak for themselves, which is what I did. And I'm not going to go play some political fucking game and align myself with this person or that person. Cause once you do that, you're screwed. You're screwed. If you see somebody inside of a company, you say, well, this person has power. I'm going to align myself. Well, what happens if they're out of power? You're fucked. So I never, I never was into that whole thing. It was just like, just do your job. Just do your job, do it well. And there's a better, better than equal chance that you will succeed. You just got to show up and do your job, which is what I do here every day. I show up and I do my job. I'm a Virgo. Anyway, let's get back to the guy who has the roller coaster story. So this guy, eventually the company splits, gets bought, sold, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he goes off and he does, he does something else. I didn't really have anything to do with him or I had no contact with him, but I knew people that did. And apparently this guy was an adrenaline freak with roller coasters. And he and his girlfriend would get into roller coasters and they would keep the bar and the roller coaster from closing completely. They figured out some kind of way where they could sort of jam it a little bit and that they could have some play between the bar and the seat so that when they would get into that part where you're going down the, 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 the big hill, you're getting ready to hit that major dip and you lift off your seat a little bit, you know that moment, right? Well, they would get it so that they lift off their seat a lot. So they'd be flying for a brief period of time. Well, there was this one time where that happened and she actually left the roller coaster car. And she fell to her death. And I knew this guy. So they were roller coaster adrenaline junkies. That's just weird, man. It's like a David Cronenberg movie. You know, like that crash where all these people were into the, the J.G. Ballard autoerotic shit. Weird, weird. That's a, there are two crashes. There's a movie that Paul Haggis did, and then there's a movie that uh, David Cronenberg did. David Cronenberg one is really weird. It's about this, the, it's the J.G. Ballard novel where these people look for automobile crashes. And, um, and sometimes they'll even crash their cars on purpose and then have sex. It's just weird. It's a whole play in this world, autoeroticism, you know, weird, weird shit. All right. Roller coasters. I went back and I watched uh, more of the Julie, Jordan Peterson and Frederick Kagan interview. The comments are really interesting. The comments on Jordan Peterson's webpage about this fat fuck. Look at this guy. I was trying to play with a uh, an image, and uh, for the 
thumbnail that I put up on on Rumble. By the way, I put up all the shows on Rumble. I have a, new, I have a Rumble channel now. I created a Rumble channel, so you can find me on Rumble. That's Fred Kagan. This is the guy that is telling generals how to fight wars. Can you believe that? Look at him. This guy hasn't, this guy hasn't missed three squares in a day. Ugh. Anyway, thank God some of these people on Julian Peterson. I keep wanting to call him Julian Peterson. He's played for the 49ers. It's a good thing that these people on Jordan Peterson's YouTube channel are not blind sheep. They're hip to the fact that this guy is an architect. Why the fuck is Jordan Peterson selling Fred Kagan now? Why is he doing that? Did he get a did he did he get a phone call from Ben Shapiro or Dave Rubin? I'm wondering how long, by the way, Jason Whitlock will be able to stay on Fearless. I think the Dave Rubin thing is problematic for him. And why? why okay, so first of all, who is Dave Rubin? Some of you are asking who is Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin might be the most uninteresting and uninspired, quote unquote, truther there is. I've never found anything even remotely compelling about Dave Rubin. He just, he just happens to be gay and he happened to be a Democrat and he happens to go conservative. And I was like, oh, oh, let's hug Dave. Let's welcome him. He's now one of us. It's like Brandon Straka. He's, he's Brandon Straka 1.0. So we got this whole wave of like, uh, kind of gay libertarians. Dave Rubin, M Milo Yiannopoulos, and who's the other one? Brandon Straco. And they all, I guess Milo now is a Catholic. And, and did you go through like conversion therapy for his homosexuality? I think he might have. I think uh, E. Michael Jones helped him out. And I think uh, Milo Yiannopoulos is actually Jewish. His mother is Jewish. He used to brag about that. He used to brag about the fact that he was both gay and a Jew. That was his, you know, look at me. You go ahead and try to take me down. I'm a gay and a Jew, motherfucker. Anyway, uh, Dave Rubin has now, now so he has uh, two kids on the way. He's pulling a Buttigieg where he and his husband are, are they went shopping at uh, Eggs R Us and um, found uh, you know, some surrogates and uh, they're going to have, they're going to have some kids here, two boys, I think probably, but they get to order them up or who knows, who knows how they, uh, how they, uh, get that on the menu. Technically speaking, it can happen at any time. You think it's going to happen nine months from now, maybe, maybe. And the next thing we'll see is we'll see them laid in a, 
hospital bed, just like butt plug and his husband wife with their fake little photo op, like they show up in a hospital fucking bed and these two babies are brought in and they're on the bed with the two babies. And they're getting two. They, they get two. It's like one for me and one for you. I get one and you get one. So Jason Whitlock and uh, Delana Squires and Dave, Sh Dave Shannon, by the way, if you haven't, I want to get Dave Shannon on the show. I think he would come on the show. Dave Shannon is fucking brilliant. He's one, he's one of those guys that makes Christianity look cool, right? Because he's an intellectual and he lives in Idaho and you know, he's got guns. So he talks about scripture and Christianity in a way it's like, Hmm, I like that version of Christianity. I can get behind that. I, I should have him on the show. He's, he's super smart. Last night he was on with uh, Jason and they were, they were, what were they talking about? I think they were still, Oh yeah. They were talking about this whole thing where ESPN paused. They paused in their coverage because of what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida with the uh, don't say gay bill. It, it was fucking ridiculous. They had these two women uh, who were, I think they were uh, at this NC2A women's basketball game. You know, what's interesting. I, I, I always thought that they did the NC2A women's tournament at a different time than the men's. I thought that they did. Now they're, they're competing with one another. Both happened at the same time. I'm not sure if that was the case before. Maybe it was. Anyway, these two women, they were so solemn. So solemn. We've been asked by our parent company, Disney, to take a moment to stand together with the LGBTQIA+. They just keep adding fucking initials to this thing. And Jason brought up a really good point. It's not my point. You see, I, I attribute or attribute. The plus is the pedophilia. That's the plus. Because he's right. They want to they get pedophilia into the whole mix. So eventually be a P. But it won't be a P because it'll be too close to pedophilia. It'd be like a C maybe for child. Anyway, these, it's just ridiculous. Like this woman on ESPN, we're in solidarity. This very important moment. We're going to pause. We're going to take a pause from our broadcast. Who gives a fuck? Pause all you fucking want. I don't watch it. I stopped watching ESPN years ago. It's like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, does it really fall? The answer to that is no, it doesn't really, it doesn't matter. You pause all you fucking want. Keep pausing. And, they, and, and so when they did this pause, they showed that there was a pause at this NC2A women's basketball game. And uh, Howard University was playing in Virginia Tech or some major university. And the score was 
44 to four. So it was four, four, four. That was the, that was the, that was the number that you got was four, four, four. So on Twitter, I put, looks like Howard was taking a pause as well. And I got all these likes on that. Not that I really wanted those likes, but it was true. It was like that team was pausing the whole fucking game. 44 to four. I've never seen a score like that in college basketball, men's or women. The Howard team, how, how does a Howard team that scores four points in the first half, this is the first half of the game. Four points, first half, that's half the game. They've scored two baskets. How do they get into the fucking NC two-way finals or the, the playoffs for the college, women's college basketball tournament? That's an important question. Actually, it's not that important. So this all is going somewhere. Like, because DeSantis doesn't want these materials inside of the school. Now, I was on the outside of this thing looking in. Like, I know that there are these books that are being uh, pushed on children. But I didn't know how bad it was until I went to the school board meeting last night. How bad was it? It was so bad that what I heard, okay, so let me, let me break it down. So I go to the school board meeting, I've, and I haven't been to a local meeting in a long time. It's like I haven't been to a city council meeting in a long time. Just decided to take a break. It was, well, look who's here, the mayor, the mayor of uh, 15 Minutes of Flameville. Jasper. So it was Pisces season, son of my fourth house. I'm just going to be at home. I'm not going to get into their local politics scene. Anyway, so I go to this meeting last night. First time I've been to a meeting in a long time. And the first thing that, that happens when I get there is I can see like a lot of my fellow patriots. And uh, Matt Long is there. Matt has a show on the local uh, radio station here. And he's also the head of the Tea Party here in the Hill Country. So I say hello to Matt. And when I was running for city council, some of you may know that I was accused of being a Satanist, a cult leader. And Matt, who supported my candidacy, one day got jumped by a bunch of these so-called Christians. When I say jumped, phone, phone call, jumped. And they were harassing him for supporting me because I wasn't a Christian. And if Mac considered himself a Christian, he would know that I was involved with the devil. And he would disavow any relationship with me and my, my uh, campaign. And he got harassed roundly by, by a, uh, three guys in the Republican party, including one of the people I was running against who is running again for city council. I'm on the fence with this guy because he flat out attacked me during a debate. And not once did I seek any form of retribution. Not once. I turned the cheek. I turned my cheek. 
And I took the high road with this guy. But now he's running for city council again. And I'm thinking, should I like get in his grill about this? Because part of me wants to do that. Part of me wants to bring it up. And say, if elected, do you, do you uh, promise that you won't use your position and power to harass other people that don't have the same belief system that you do? Can you, can you swear on that? Can you agree not to use backroom, strong arm political tactics to bully people who may have a different point of view? I'm thinking about it because I'm not entirely, I'm not really that pissed about it, honestly. I like, it's like, it doesn't really matter. I just don't like hypocrisy. So I, I was at the uh, meeting last night and Matt says, I'm still getting hassled by people for supporting you. I'm like, well, but I told him, I support him and I hope he runs again. So that was interesting. That was the first thing that happened when I get there. The room is packed. And what they're doing is they're going to pass or try to pass a measure where they're going to create these committees to review these books. And it's been a big brouhaha in this town because they found these books inside of the middle school library. And um, I didn't realize what a big deal it was until last night when everybody had 90 seconds to get up before the school board and talk about why they should ban these books. And instead of making a case for the banning of the books, which they did, by the way, what they did is they read excerpts from these books. And the excerpts from these books was like Penthouse Forum when, when Penthouse was writing, you know, and by the way, those letters, penthouse form, they're all made up. I, I met a guy who was a, a teacher of mine in, in junior college, and he taught film, uh, film criticism. And he was one of the guys that sat around and wrote the letters for penthouse form. Okay. So, but these were like penthouse form letters, but worse. Worse because it, it was triggered uh, targeted towards teens and the language was so so these people went up there and they started to read passages from these books which is fucking brilliant now the so-called left went up there and they well we want to be able to uh we want to be able to protect the first amendment and freedom of speech really you want to protect freedom of speech and this is this is the hill you're going to die on you guys are fucking morons you're morons. And of course, if there was a book in there about uh, how heroic Ted Kaczynski was, do you, think, do you think that they would protect that? Or how heroic Timothy McVeigh was? Do you think they'd protect that? Or what if there was a book in there that said the Holocaust was a lie? Do you think they'd protect that? Well, both sides would jump on that. I could tell you that right now. They'd both jump on it. They, the left and the right would find common ground with that book. That's, that's for sure. So they're reading this shit though. And 
I'm gonna, I, I have one passage kind of stuck in my head. And this is across multiple books, by the way. And one of the books was about a boy and a boy. And, um, you know, the, there's a line that says, I shoved his head down. He shoved my head down on, on top of his throbbing penis. I swear to God, this is in the book. And he moved my head up and down, up and down, like it was a piston on a car. And then I could hear him groan. And after he groaned, I felt something warm shoot into my mouth that tasted like pool water. I swear to God, this is from the book. I'm not, I'm paraphrasing slightly. That's in the book. And there were multiple books that they were reading passages from, and they were all equally as disgusting as that. One, they talked about drug use and doing lines. Another was clearly an anti-Christian book where the, the girl who was talking in this book was um, talking about her, the, the local priest who knocked up this girl and she, well, she could have had the baby. She could have had an abortion. She could have done all these things, but wasn't it great that the priest was, you know, caught in his web of hypocrisy and, but there was more to it than that. I'm just giving you, so you had this whole anti-Christian ethos, um, which is satanic, actually. You had that, you had uh, the, the, you know, the, the grooming young homosexual thing. You had the drug thing and all these books. And how could the, how could the so-called left in the, in this town stand up for that shit? And this one guy went up there and he said, "You could just you could tell, you could tell who who was on the left and who was theoretically on the right before they even got up there." It's like it's tell. Oh, okay. Look at this guy. Unfortunate but true. You know, you, you can't always judge a book by, by its cover, but in this case, you could. Wasn't that hard? This guy gets up there and says, well, I don't know a book that's, you know, turned somebody into being gay or homosexual. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about a book. Like, well, okay, so there are two things to that, all right? Two things. First of all, and this one guy came up there who was a counselor, and he had a really good point. And his point was, you don't know what kids that are in that, you assume that every child in that school has been untouched and that they're just fine. You know, they're, they're just this virginal temple that God created them. And that's not true. There are kids that are in middle school who have been abused and they read a book like that, what's going to happen to them? And there, and there are numerous books. And so the abuse factor could really trigger them. Right. I mean, seriously. So now you got a triggered kid who's reading like maybe something that his stepfather did to him or her stepfather did to her. Now what happens now you got a traumatized kid because they're reading this material. Oh, that's okay. We have counseling. Really?
What if you have a kid that is slightly unhinged, maybe because of the abuse, who knows? And then, now they start to read this shit and are like, gee, that sounds like fun. Let me go find an eight-year-old that I can try this out on. You don't think that happens? It does happen. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to remove the material so that you limit and lessen the potential for these things happening. And one of the things that goes on with kids, children, let's call them children, young adults, is that they're in this, they're in this chrysalis phase. And if you've ever watched those time-elapse photos of what goes on when you have a caterpillar who spins a cocoon and they're actually able to see sort of the translucent transformation of the caterpillar into a butterfly. There's shit going on in there. Like the, the caterpillar is transforming into a, a different life form. It's not like it just goes into the caterpillar and wakes up and, Hey, look, I'm a butterfly. Let me get out of here. It doesn't work that way. There's an active process going on. So, when you have a, a young person who's in the chrysalis, they're going through that. They're going through that transformational process. And if they're allowed to do that in a way that is unfettered, there's a pretty good chance that they will come out without three wings or something like that, right? But what would happen if you were, if you were a, a scientist and you began to and they've done, I'm sure they've done this. Of course they have. They, you inject certain things into a cocoon, into a chrysalis, and it alters that process. What do you get when it comes out? And this is, this is what happens, is that they're injecting things into that chrysalis um, process with our young people, so that by the time they come out, literally and figuratively, I guess, uh, they look and are you know, in some way, shape or form distorted. And this is what this has been going on for a long time now. And it, and it goes into pre like 1990 stuff, right? Where this start this, you know, in the nineties, you begin to see these uh, student groups start to hit high schools, which are, you know, gay, lesbian, student groups, right? These after-school groups that start to have, and of course they have to have a um, um, faculty member who's backing them. And that's where it all starts. It's like, well, if you get to have after-school Christians or, you know, after-school target, target club, we get to have these clubs. And for all intents and purposes, they do, right? But you could really push that if you wanted to. Of course, you'd have to have a faculty sponsor for, Oh, I don't know. Um, the hollow hoax club. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And having being the, the faculty person who's going to sponsor the hollow hoax club. I don't think that you would find somebody to take that gig for very long. Um, so that's where it all starts. It's where it gets its roots, right? It, the seeds are planted during that time. And this is the outcome. This is the this is the fruit that that seed is bearing. And Jason Whitlock, leave it to fucking Austin. 
like we had a bunch of tornadoes in Austin yesterday or high winds, some tornadoes. And it's like, sometimes you just hope that the, that the, the wrath of God will come down and hit one of these schools. A tornado hits it. It's like, Oh, look at that. 48 hour, 24 hours ago, they were marching around for gay pride. They literally had a gay pride parade inside of a fucking uh, elementary school in Austin, which is by the way, where Leah Thomas is from. Leah Thomas is from Westlake. Austin. So it started with these little clubs. And then it metastasized into fucking gay pride parades inside the elementary school. Literally, they're walking around the school, little kazoos and rainbow flags. So getting back to last night, they voted to remove vulgar materials. And they're going to have not one committee, but now two committees to handle the, the work. I got yelled at last night too, by the way. I spoke out of order. And the reason I spoke out of order, and this is what I fucking hate about these meetings, because you can't have a moment where you can ask for clarification. Now, one of the things they talked about was that, that they, they, they were supposed to have a form where people fill out a form where they can make a formal complaint against content. And that form wasn't fully fleshed out. Like it wasn't capable of handling the type of, I don't want to use the word complaint, but I'll just use the word complaint that this group of parents had. So they had to work on that form, which meant a couple of things. It meant that people could not access a form to make a formal complaint. So one of the school board members, she said it twice, by no means am I promoting pornography in our school. She said that twice. But there's always the but. But I'm, you know, I, but I, but I'm, I'm afraid we're on a slippery slope, and that we can just ban any book we want. She brought up the Holocaust book. Well, what happens if somebody wants to ban a book on the Holocaust? Or what if somebody wants to ban a book on Christianity? Honestly, I wouldn't have a problem of them not having books on Christianity in schools. I'd be okay with that. And I'm not anti-Christian, I'm pro-Christian. But it's also, if you're going to go down that path, then I would say your family is the place where you're going to gain and derive your belief system. Now, it could be very, very, it's a slippery slope. What happens if it's a, an inspirational story like Ayrton Senna, who is really big Catholic, and he talks about his faith. Are you going to ban that book? So I understand where they're coming from, but there's a line, and the line is, has to do with pornography. It's real simple. You know it when you hear it. Bottom line, you know it when you hear it. That's the litmus. So she said, how many people felt, she asked, how many people filled out these forms? And this woman said three. And, she, and she, now she used that. Oh, so three people 
three people filed formal. Well, okay. So then I asked, well, hold on. So can you get some clarification? Just a little while ago, you said that there weren't many forms or you were working. So you can't really have it both ways. And I got yelled at for that. At a cop yell at me just because I want a clarification. You're using this thing to designate the fact that only three people filled out the form. But earlier in the meeting, you said that there was, this is a different person, that there was no form or the form had been taken out of circulation to be worked on. And this is what I hate about public, public meetings like that. You can't ask for a clarification. Can I get a, can we get a clarification here? You had your chance to speak. No, I didn't have my chance to fucking speak. I got yelled at. The, the, the wife of the editor of the local red rag in town jumped up out of her chair and turned around. You had a chance to speak. No, I didn't speak at all. I sat there and listened the whole time. I had a chance to hear you speak. And that's over two minutes of my life I'd like to have back. This is a woman who is preaching the uh, virtues of the First Amendment. And her and her husband run the local newspaper. And if you write a letter to the editor that they don't like, they will not print it. It's the same newspaper that denied Joan the ability to write a counter op-ed to the dentist in town because she didn't live here. However, they took her money for it ad. So is that free speech? No, that's called pay for play. And now all of a sudden they're all about free speech just because this other group doesn't like the content, the vulgar content that these books are promoting and they are promoting and they're grooming kids. And not only are they grooming kids, but they're putting youth at risk by having material in these books that is inflammatory and triggering. It's terrible. I had no idea that this shit existed in these books. It's bad, really bad. And I understand why parents are up in arms. And these women who are on ESPN taking this moment of silence, do they really understand what's in these books? I don't think they have a fucking clue. And if they have a kid, why don't you go read, sit down with a book that is being talked about in terms of being deleted. Sit down and open a passage and read that passage to one of your kids. Let's see how that goes down, pun not intended. I was disgusted. And I'm, I'm no prude, trust me. That was bad, really bad. Pool water. Come on up here, come on. I need your, I need your assistance here. I was traumatized. I, I, I need a comfort cat. Yeah, I need a purr. Thank you. All right, so uh, what else? We got a lot going on today. Shall we stay in the sorted lane? Apparently now, I don't know if this is true, but um, some of you may know who Jack Maxey is. 
Jack Maxey is on the war room with Steve Bannon. And he's been talking about how apparently they have unearthed some images from Hunter Biden's laptop that had that that Hunter Biden had supposedly deleted. And apparently these images are game changers. Like they're really bad. Really, really bad. So you have to ask yourself, well, okay, what is what does this mean? What if they what if they find them? What if they are true? Well, does it legit delegitimize Joe Biden? To some extent, I would say yes. And it would delegitimize him because he built his campaign mostly on the obfuscation of the laptop of Hunter and the relationship that they had with Burisma and uh, Yats, the guy from Ukraine and all this other shit, right? So Biden would just flat out deny that any of these things existed at all. And now you have these images that theoretically could land Hunter Biden uh, in prison. So what happens with Hunter Biden at this point? If these images emerge, they're supposed to emerge today, by the way, at 222 and 322, we'll see. But if they do emerge, then what's going to happen? Well, then you sit down with Hunter Biden and you say, you're going to go to prison for a very long time. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing your dad can do about it. There's nothing that George Soros can do about it. There's nothing that anybody can do about it. You are going to prison for a very long time. And if you want to lessen your sentence, here's what you got to do. You're going to have to turn on your old man, the big guy. You're going to have to bring everything out that you did in relationship to the Chinese, the blackmail. Because he was blackmailed. Joe Biden's been blackmailed. The entire American system has been blackmailed by any number of perps, Chinese, Russians, Israel. It's like blackmail city. The English, you don't think the English and MI6 or MI5 have their own little blackmail scheme going on? Of course they do. It's all about extortion and blackmail. So theoretically, they could do this with Hunter Biden, put him on the spot, because you know he doesn't want to go to prison. What's going to happen to Hunter Biden in prison? Yeah. Exactly. Don't drop the soap. So he'll say anything. Now, if this is true, and it does indeed go public, then what's going to happen? Well, they could shut the entire fucking system down. Like today, I'm just throwing it out there. Today, they could pull a switch and just drop all the power. They could, And I think in a lot of ways, the whole Ukraine thing is part of it. Like the U Ukraine is the, um, is the red button 
that they could press any time to make it go hot. I mean, real hot. If things begin to bubble up and this ooze of corruption starts to blister and burst, hit that button. And they go full-on kinetic war if they want to. So this should be interesting. I don't know if Jack Maxey, I mean, I, I don't think he would lie. He, and he, I think he posted on Gab. But if you're going to do that, just fucking do it. Don't tell everybody that you're going to do it at, at uh, 322 on 322. Because there's a chance you may not make it. And you're certainly giving um, the rest of the world the heads up. Right, Jasper? Jasper is really engaged in today's show. Yes. I couldn't do without you. Couldn't do without you. Okay. You want to talk a little skull and bones? Well, today's the day. Why don't I do this? Why don't I play a, a clip? Let me play a clip here. So this is a movie I highly recommend. It's called um, The Good Shepherd. And I can't believe that Robert De Niro actually directed this. Because I don't think Robert De Niro is all that bright. But this is actually a really good movie. And it stars uh, Matt Damon and Angelina Jolie. And uh, who else is in it? I think William Hurt is in it. If I'm not mistaken. And it, it, it it's a Chris Cooper, the actor Chris Cooper. And it's about the roots of the CIA. And it takes place on Yale and Skull and Bones is the framework for this movie. So let me play you the trailer from uh, The Good Shepherd. Everybody has secrets to tell. My secrets are bigger than others. Can you understand that whatever we discuss here doesn't leave this room? Of course. The president has asked me to look into creating a foreign intelligence service. My orders came through. I'll be going overseas. What are you gonna do, Edward? Save the world? I'll do what I can. Welcome to our little clubhouse. You're going to have to learn the English system of intelligence. I'm here to see a tailor. How is the fishing? Set the mongoose free. 
gentlemen, the CIA. The nasty little secrets. No matter what anyone tells you, there'll be no one you can really trust. They're not professionals best that way. How do I know if I can even trust you? You can take the gloves off. Tell me your real name. We don't have to be gentlemen anymore. What is your name? You're the guys that scare me. You're the people that make big wars. And we make sure the wars are small ones. First opportunity you boys get, you're going to be breaking and entering like thieves in the night. Margaret tells us that you work with the CIA. My wife has a vivid imagination. You are never to tell anyone what it is that I do. What you do? I don't know what you do. You leave at five, you're home at ten, seven days a week. I live with a ghost. I don't know anything about you. Why is it that people like us choose to serve for nickels a day in a profession that makes us continually look over our shoulders for who's watching us? It isn't about dedication and loyalty. It's about belief in what we do. I've never even met my little boy. Are you Edward? We don't have to be like this, you and I. We don't have to be strangers. Remember what I said to you about friends? Give out one you still can, Edward. Why do you still have a soul? Sorry about the volume on that. I had it up all the way, but you can, if you, I wonder if they actually uh, made it slightly inaudible because he's actually hearing impaired in that movie. It's an interesting little theme and trope because he has to um, listen harder as a result. So, that's a movie that I recommend because it gives you uh, sort of the, the down low on how the CIA is, is created and Skull and Bones is in there. Skull and Bones, OSS, CIA. The CIA. And then there's some interesting symbolism in that movie too that I don't want to get into, but... Um, it's interesting. The, uh, it, the one thing that's fascinating is uh, Angelina Jolie's character's name. She goes by Clover in the movie. And it, when you get into Clover, you get into Clovis and the Merovingian bloodline, which I think Jolie is connected to through something called a group called the Kings of Lyon. And, and I've talked about this before where she's related to Madonna uh, who else? Alanis Morissette, um, Shania Twain. And they're all from that area up around Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois. Hillary Clinton is part of that same, apparently that same bloodline. Anyway, it's a good movie. So today is Skull and Bones Day, 322. And uh, it's also the insignia of a pirate's flag when you look at the skull and bones. And the insignia of the pirate flag predated the actual adoption of that symbol for that group. And what's interesting about 
the skull and bones as it relates to a pirate flag is that that is half of the insignia in process of a false flag. So again, the definition of a false flag comes out of maritime aggression or maritime conflict where these pirate ships would have the flag of say France and they would see a, uh, Oh, I don't know, a Portuguese um, schooner or Portuguese, you know, small armada, two or three ships, whatever. Right. So France and Portugal were not at war. So they'd have a whole bunch of flags that they would have there. So they'd raise the French flag and then they go, Oh, it's the French. And then they sail closer and closer and closer. Probably on little French hats. And as soon as they got within cannon range, it was like down with the French flag and up with the skull and bones. And then the cannons would start firing. Pa-pow, pa-pow, pa-pow. And they would try not to sink the ship. Because they wanted to board the ship. They wanted to get was on board the ship. So if you're firing a cannon, what would you try to try to hit? You try to hit, you know, the masts and knock them off so that it would disable the mast. And then you may have a couple of not they and all the cannons were at the same size. You could have a small cannon so that you could do some collateral damage, but you didn't want the the ship to sink. In many cases, you wanted to take the fucking ship. You certainly wanted what was aboard the ship. You wanted to disable it enough. Maybe start a fire or something. You get close enough, you know, start a fire in the ship. So you go on there, do some sword play, put the fire out, get the booty, take some of the men. And if the ship was salvageable, you pull the ship with you. Now you got a new ship. Now you got a new pirate ship. So they didn't want to destroy these ships. I guess if they had to, if they were in a big fire, but that's where false flag comes from. They would fly a false flag. And then up would come the skull and bones. So that was the flag or that is the symbol that the skull and bones decided to use. 322. 22 being a master number. And what is, they have Geronimo's skull, apparently, that they drink out of. Isn't that the, uh, the rumor? You would not drink out of Geronimo's skull, would you? No, you wouldn't. I don't think so. I'm sure you would know better. So today is the day that the uh, venerable Skull and Bones celebrates itself. Is it a day for a false flag? You never know. You never know. Not while you're on the roller coaster. So you think you're about to pull in and get off the ride. You're 
back on it again. Like you're never off of it. Yeah, we've been on this ride since uh, 2020. And I know a lot of people would love to get off. But unlike the uh, thrill-seeking adrenaline junkie couple who somehow managed to jimmy jack the uh, safety bar, you didn't. So you're locked in it. Had you jimmy jack the safety bar, you might be able to jump out of the roller coaster. You're on a different ride at that point. Isn't that right? All right. I think that's about it for the day. We've been on a journey, haven't we? The whole That whole meeting last night, I, I, I have to say, okay, it weirded me out. It weirded me out to have these parents go up there and read excerpt after excerpt after excerpt. It was the most effective tool I had ever seen. Instead of just talking about how pernicious these books were, they actually read fucking content. And it was disturbing. Really disturbing. And I don't disturb easily. It's like, fuck, it's bad. Really bad. And you get these nitwits who are standing up for this shit. They have no idea what they're standing up for. They just know it's good for their career. And they've got uh, the, the, the wave, right? They've got the momentum. And they're going to fall in line and, and tell what their masters tell them to do. And they have no idea. I would love for these women to take one of these books and read it. Read it to your kids. Well, I'm not going to read that to my children. Really? Well, why not? Well, if they want to read it, that's up to them. No, it's not. You're their fucking parent. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, I was troubled. I mean, I, I went out to dinner by myself afterwards. I went, I went and had some Mexican food. And I was still working off the energy of that thing. Right? I, you have to understand, I am a projector. And I have to, you know, I can handle a lot of weird shit. That was really weird. And the weird part were, were these women, with the exception of one man, one man, these women went up there and defended this shit. How can you defend this as a mother, as a woman? How can you defend this? It's indefensible. I mean, they should be ashamed of themselves because the material was shameful. Anyway, at the end of the day, they voted now to remove books that are vulgar. Now, the process will be an interesting one to follow up on. Let's see what happens. If you have a child 
in public schools, especially from middle school on, but not exclusively just middle school. If you're a parent, you have a child in a public school, well, first of all, you should probably get your child out of that public school. But if you can't, and I understand why some people can't, go look at some of the material in their library. If you want to make a difference, you can make a difference. Just saw it here in town. Now, it'll remain to be seen what happens with these books because they've appointed the principal as being the arbiter. And these committees will make recommendations as to which books they deem are vulgar. And I don't know who comprises the committees, by the way. They had one committee, now they have two committees because of the amount of time the amount of books that they have to have to deal with. So if you are a parent and you feel like you don't have any power in the world, go to your middle school library and see what they have on the shelves. Yes, they did not have any, they did not have any cat porn. They did not have any kitty porn there. They had kitty porn, but not kitty porn. I'd be very, I'd be very angry if they had kitty porn. Some things need to remain untouched. Okay, let me check in with you guys. See where you're at. Because I'm about to be out of here. Bum, bum. Vulgar is the norm now. It is characteristic of a belonging, character of or belonging to the masses, lacking sophistication or good taste, unrefined, making explicit and offensive reference to or bodily functions, coarse and rude. Cremo says, the moment I found out I was pregnant, my first thought was, I never want it in the public schools. And that was in the 80s. You were right. Prison for kids, yes. They are, they are Satanists, but they don't know it. They don't understand it to that degree. Uh, let's see. When civilization is a false flag, it's just another day. That is a great quote. Steve comes up with some gems. What kind of false flag will we have? 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Good call, squirrel. Pirate ships. Nice, Equa. Yeah, the original pirates worked for the crown. You know, let's be clear about that. They work for the crown. The crown sent them out. Crown being, of course, the queen. They were getting all that booty for the crown. All right, I'm out of here. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. And um, let's uh, let's let's hope that I have some power. We all have power tomorrow. And that we don't go through some 
crazy EMP just to take everything offline. So that quite potentially the Hunter Biden picnickers don't surface. They do, and there's an EMP or the grid goes down. Well, you know why. Keep your phone charged. Listen for the EMS, apparently. All right. From the amusement park in your mind, I'm Robert Phoenix. Use your head in order to discern what's real. You heart to stay up on what's possible. Bye for now.